Rolling Dice and Taking Names podcast is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. RDTN is a show with two longtime friends that talk about board games, card games, and anything else that grabs their attention. Squirrel! Here are your hosts, the Waldorf and Statler of board gaming podcasts, Marty and Tony. Hey everybody and welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Name, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. This is episode number 62, Tough Enough. I'm Tony. When do we drop the S on our name? Rolling dice and taking name? Did I say name? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, rolling dice and taking names. I'm Tony. And this is Marty. Gee, thanks for getting me um, all spun up there, man, or, or discombobulated. Well, I know you're excited. I oh. know you're you're just so excited about what we're going to be doing in this episode. I know. I'm giddy, dude. I am so giddy. It is unreal. Can you believe it? Can you, We have come f- almost full circle. If you look back at our original episodes, Marty... This is really full circle, man. Well, full circle means we're back to where we started. Exactly. What we we started with in the show, trying to introduce people to you know the new game or games um, that they could play. We tried to bring those who hadn't experienced this back in. We were to introduce new games, the common games in the industry, and and look where we're at tonight. One of the games that we highlighted and talked about a lot, Pandemic. Yes. And we are so excited to actually have the designer of pandemic matt leacock on our episode night and he's going to be talking about his new game on kickstarters called thunderbirds thus the eloquently not eloquently the apropos named ah, god apropos titled episode tough enough because it took me a second tony said who sings tough enough I went oh yeah thunderbirds that's cute the fabulous thunderbirds that's right so i, I mean i tried to find things for the cure or survivor nice (laughs) survivor yeah (laughs) but but that's going to be survivor i think we're going to go with uh something for our that would be if we ever get ignacy on the show we we would definitely i'd pull a survivor song out well speaking of which no no you didn't we are in early talks to have ignacy come on the show with maybe some sort of a Big announcement that he's going to be talking about uh, in the next month or so. So early, early, we hope we can work it out. But we did have an email chat today with him. Oh, so his people are going to contact our people? Correct. Okay. <laughs> so well, I know how this we, is going we, to happen. <laughs> we have no people. It's just us. So his people will contact us. Oh, man. That's right. And um, people have talked about this. Um, we don't want to hear about Kickstarters. You know, they're making their rounds, da, 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 da. And, and they are. I'll give that to Matt. He is really promoting his Kickstarter, you know, the Thunderbirds game that's out there right now. And we understand that. But, guys, you got to understand, we had to jump at this. There's nothing. I mean, oh, my gosh. Come on. It's Matt. Even, I mean, we're recording. He's, on, he's out there on the three-hour time difference. And even my wife, Marty, is staying up to say hello. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah. What happened? The uh, the publisher of the uh, company that's making the game, I believe it's Modifius. Um, uh, Chris from there contacted us and said, would you by chance be interested in talking to Matt Leacock? I couldn't even type yes fast enough. Yeah. And, and then I didn't even realize what was going on. My, it wasn't 14 and 
we lost communications, but Marty came through and made this happen for us. Oh, yes. Oh, fanboy, fanboy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help it, guys. So, Marty, real quick, real quick. So, you didn't really get a good introduction. So, we're going to go from, you know, if you go from a knight's tale, squirrel, we could get this really going. My lords, my ladies, today, today you find yourselves equals, for we are blessed today to have the designer of the all-powerful, awesomest co-op game, Pandemic. You know, you remember when I from A Night's Tale. Did you ever see that movie? I did. I did. Um, but I saw it when it first came out, and I don't remember too much about it. Yeah, where Charleston's doing all his introductions. I love that part. I love that movie. Sorry. I think that was a squirrel moment. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, um, so really, guys, that's all we've got in this episode, isn't it? I mean, we may come up with something in the outro if, if it hits us in the back of the head or something. But other than that, we know there's a ton of Kickstarters out there, guys. So um, just take a listen. He, Matt's been on all the shows out there, and he's, he's hitting on. Yes, he is. And we're going to talk about other stuff besides Thunderbirds. Maybe we can... Maybe get into tea something with uh, Pandemic Legacy, which, Tony, I know you're excited about. Oh, yeah. And, and we're going to ask him some even questions that you guys were kind enough to send in, of course, on the forums. We're definitely going to hit him up with those because if you took time to type them, we're going to take time to read them. And even if he says, no, I'm not going to answer them, we're still going to answer them for him. <laughs> That's right. And guess what? With the, every what? every guest at the end, we always close with the Rankum segment. So we'll be doing that also. And once again, we'll try to mimic his voice if he leaves, but we will do a rank. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we got to make this. Oh, real quick though. Um, so <clears throat> I will, there's this, general, um, I don't know if you saw this. I, I was looking, gentlemen just recently opened up a, sh- a shop and it's got a new shirt and I thought about it for you. It's got a big old thing. It says the game pimper on it or something like that. I said, that's all it you is. Know. That's uh, that's, that was a name that you gave me many, many years ago. And I guess it's still stuck today. It's not as bad anymore. Luckily, we have a, a lot of other people where that are buying games that I don't need to pimp games as much anymore because they'll just go out and buy them without me saying anything. Oh yeah, that's that's the truth. And but that's all right. And you got me to play before we go over. I know Matt. Matt, we're still waiting on Matt to make it into the green room or finish up that um, moon pie. But um, you got me to play Warhammer Conquest mm-hmm. and just. Uh, that's something you and I need to just talk about in the future, how we like Conquest compared to Netrunner. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's something. But, yeah, Marty was kind enough to um, secure me up a copy of that. To, I guess that was his way of, you know, giving me a taste. Here, have a taste. <laughs> and and then you know, take me down that path. So thank you for that, sir. Because after today's beating, you will not get that satisfaction in the future. <laughs> well, no, it's um, it's it's one of the it's, – it's an interesting game. It seems to have a – a bipolar effect. I had, we tweeted out that we played today and somebody uh, wrote like, that's the most underrated LCG right now. And it does seem to be that way. And I wonder if it's because the rules are so simple that it kind of like, eh, I don't want to play this because it's too simple, but it's actually one of those things that when you start playing, it's actually pretty strategic. Yes. It's very strategic. And, but with all, 
all these deck building games, it comes down to learning the decks and the cards. And that's always that initial rush of any game that we get started with like that. You know, how can I form up this new deck? Ooh, there's a new strategy. All that is that initial rush. that I think you and I both enjoy. Yeah, that's it. And then like a year, two years later, it's like, what's next? Oh, exactly. So anything else? I'm, I'm ready. I think he's, I think he's done. He's, he's swallowing his last. Oh, what's that? I think somebody's knocking on the door, man. Okay. Well then that's him. Let's, let's bring him into the studio. Well, here he is before us sitting on the screen, the man, the myth, the legend, designer of the ever popular pandemic, plus many other games like Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert, Matt Leacock. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Tony, do we want to gush now or save the gushing for later? I, I think the man's been gushed enough on. He's probably over there thinking, what kind of fools are we dealing with here tonight? Why, how did how did Chris get me on this show? What was he thinking? Before we even started, Tony's wife had to come in and meet Matt because Pandemic's her favorite game, so there's a little bit of gushing there. So, Matt, I, you, you probably never listened to the show, but Tony talks about Pandemic all the time because that is the game that he plays with his neighbors constantly. Yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, Matt, they are the ones, that's what game got them playing board games with me, and we're just excited to have you on the show. Great, it's good to be here. Thanks for thanks for gushing. <laughs> Oh, you ain't you ain't felt gushing yet. <laughs> yeah, we got a long ways to go. We haven't even hit the other wonderful things like Forbidden Island and uh, Forbidden Desert. But you are here to talk about a show, a game that is uh, right now on Kickstarter that you design with. Is it more Defius? Defius games, more Defius games. Thunderbirds. And right now that is currently going. That game is funded. It is another co-op game uh, designed uh, by Matt. And the theme is based on the 60s show Thunderbirds. And I know there's a lot of younger people out there that may not know what that is, but it was this show that looked like it was, I guess it was marionettes. Super marionation is the term. Yeah, super marionation. <laughs> and it was in a, it was a British show. That's right. Yeah. And it was a, a family of... Um, I guess it was a it was a family. Was it was a scientist or just a family? A very rich family. Yeah, wealthy family. Yeah, who built all these uh, ships and everything, and they were trying to save the world and going on missions. And and each episode was about defeating the bad guy and whatnot. And so this is the fiftieth fiftieth anniversary of the uh, TV show. And Matt got involved in a project uh, to develop a game based on the uh, TV show Thunderbirds. So I guess to get started. How did you get involved in the project? Well, Chris Birch, who heads up Medifius, uh, had been chasing the license for a while. He was really excited about making a Thunderbirds game and uh, thought it would be a natural game for a co-op. So he reached out to me, and um, we met at uh, Spiel in 2013. And um, again, I, I'd never heard of the show, but he was so excited about it's just I mean, his enthusiasm was just bubbling over about this opportunity to do a board game based on his childhood uh, um you know, his favorite game of all, or favorite, favorite show of all time. So uh, I told him I'd check it out. So I went home and, and watched some episodes and immediately saw the appeal and thought it would make a really good co-op game. So I signed up with him. And then, uh, yeah, after that, I was just diving headfirst into, into all the different shows and movies and comics and source books and that sort of thing. And did that help you with the design of the game? Just getting all that background material? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really wanted the game to embody the spirit of the show and, and really get a lot of the details right because there's a, there's a huge installed fan base for it. And, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure I didn't have any, um, 
Yeah, I wanted it to. I didn't want it to be one of those IP games that you pick up and and it's just you know you got the IP kind of slapped on the side of the box and uh, you know it's just an excuse to to sell product. I really wanted the the game to uh, you make it feel like you're a member of International Rescue and and uh, uh, so you can kind of live out your your childhood fantasies through the game. Did the uh, idea for the mechanics come after you got into the show, and then from that you came out with the mechanics of of the game, or did you have some mechanics in mind before you even watched the show? Uh, no, I, nothing really came to. I mean, I think Chris had some ideas, which were pretty obvious ones. Where you know you've got a team, uh, a family, um, international rescues, you know, the Tracy brothers plus Lady Penelope, basically, and we felt like it, it was a natural fit to have the players play one of those those members, and then all the players playing together would form kind of the team. Um, and we knew that the vehicles would need to play a big, big role. Uh, but yeah, I, I watched the show and, and really just kind of soaked, soaked it in, and um, didn't put pen to paper for, I don't know, maybe three months or so. Just kind of watched stuff and absorbed for for some time, and then things kind of naturally fell out once I started sketching. But the the original board I, I penned is is not that different from the the final board. Uh, but a lot of development went into the the story structure for the overall game. Once I had some of the initial mechanisms kind of pinned down. So Matt, just I'm kind of slow here. Did you already have a game being designed that you were able to bring it in, or was this from scratch? I think, no, it's from scratch. Uh, it's, it's, it was from yeah, scratch. It's yeah, from scratch I, based I on the okay. license. Mm-hmm. Based on like interest. So how many do you have sitting in your closet, waiting to come out? Games. Games. Yeah. Not not, not games very many actually. No 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 prototypes. I've got some. Uh, oh sorry. Do you mean prototypes or do you mean games? Yeah, and prototypes. Then? Not that many, actually. Um, a lot of them have been designed on demand as publishers uh, uh, have requested them and when there's been a good fit. Uh, so I don't have a big back catalog of stuff that I haven't dusted off yet. I'm hoping to, to build that up over time. But um, Yeah, this is your full-time job now. Though. Yeah, it is since July. I mean, part of the reason I went full-time was I had I was working on... I had signed up for Thunderbirds and I was working on Pandemic Legacy and they were both due in a year and I had I was working a full-time job and I didn't know I'd ever possibly be able to get that done. So uh, I quit so I could uh, I could work on them. I was in a position where I could do it. So I went for it. You're living the dream. You're living <laughs> yeah, the dream. So. Marty, that was a chill that just ran down my back about Pandemic Legacy. Right there. Did you well, see we'll that? get to that. Okay. We'll get to that. Time. All good time. <laughs> so um, coming back to uh, Thunderbirds. So I did watch um, uh, Richard Ham Rodder runs through it did yeah. a playthrough yeah. of the game if you want to could you just give a little bit of the mechanics of how it works and maybe how it differs from your other co-op games sure so in the game um there's sort of like two things going on at one time uh as a member of international rescue you are in charge of like racing to disasters to save people before time runs out that's sort of your like your your stick as it were um so you gotta you gotta save people and uh uh, so there's missions that are progressing along the track, along the bottom of the of the board, and they all have a location. So there might be a, a, a building that's about to collapse in New York. So you need to to fly there, and um, you, basically there's a difficulty number on the mission. You have to roll dice and, and meet or exceed that number. And you can add all sorts of bonuses to it if you bring in the, the appropriate equipment or the appropriate people or the you know, bonus chips, that sort of thing. So a lot of the, the game is weighing... Um, you know, should we spend additional time getting the perfect team in order to increase our odds substantially before we roll the dice, or do we want to just kind of push our luck and, and roll with against um, maybe against our better judgment, or you know, just because we we need to um, to to try to succeed in a mission before time runs out on it. So there's that's sort of like the day to day stuff. 
then there's the overall kind of um, arc of the game where the Hood, the International Rescue's nemesis, is planning this horrible scheme. And so he's planting disasters because he wants to trap International Rescue so he can take pictures of their vehicles and sell them off to the highest bidder, that, that sort of thing, right? So anyway, he's planning these disasters. And if, if any of the disasters trips, then you lose the game as well. So you're constantly kind of weighing off, well, do we go complete these missions down here, or do we uh, deal with the hood? Because if we don't deal with him, um, the game's going to end in a loss. And every time you complete a mission, you get little bonus tokens that can be used then to complete the, the hood scheme. So the the game is actually pretty straightforward. There's, there's only a, a handful of actions you can do. So if you've played Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert, or even Pandemic, you understand that you know, there's a short menu of things you can do. You can move... Um, in this game, you can move, you can rescue, you can plan, um, and you can... What's the other thing you can do? <laughs> Those are the main things that you're doing. And, what's, uh, yeah, what's yeah. the main things that you can solve the game, you know, make win the game? That's where, we're, that's where our crew likes Yeah, to so to think. win the game, you need to uh, defeat the scheme. And to defeat the scheme, you need to collect enough bonus tokens. So you need to, you know, basically the, the, the uh, conceit is that you're doing these missions and completing them and gaining experience. And so you're, you know, you're building up your ability to work as a team or you've got more, um, um, uh, I'm getting this confused because we've been modifying the, the terms, but, the, you know, in, in the original game is like ingenuity and courage and, and things like that. So in this game, there's operations and all these different skills that you're developing, right, in the form of chips. You can then spend the chips to modify uh, rescues during the game, or you can kind of stockpile them in order to use them to complete, um, to avert the disasters in the scheme. So that's where a lot of the decision-making comes in. So to win, you got to de- defeat the scheme, and to defeat the scheme, you need to sort of build up your character in order to build up your character you have to complete missions. And all the while, you can't let anything fall apart. And I think that was one of the neatest things that caught my eye about when I was watching the playthrough was, you know, having to make that ultimate decision. Well, I, we need this resource type token, the different ones. Let's just call them, I don't know, wood, brick, paper, whatever. And, you know, and you, you need to put those out there to solve that scheme. But wait a minute. Oh, this one might let me reroll dice. Ooh, or I can build the special little craft that the brain has over here. For brains, us. yeah. Like, right, right. Is it brains or brain? Brains, yeah. I'm, I'm dropping S's all night, Marty. That's all right. So, yeah, so brain, <laughs> if, you, if you have enough technology, brains can construct equipment for you, and you can use that equipment and bring it to a location. And, and unlock some bonuses, for example. Which is some of the, that equipment is needed on other um, objectives as I picture That's right, yeah. Kibata. So you can reuse it again for uh, defeating the scheme, for example. Yeah. Now, now, there's two card decks. One is the FAB, which we all found out what that was um, today. FAB, yeah. yeah actually, I, I had to consult with some experts. that They are FAB cards. Uh, not to be confused with FAB 1, so you pronounce it FAB 1 for the vehicle, but it's FAB for the, uh, for the cards. Yeah. Yeah, so there's two decks. One is the, the event. I call it the event deck. Because, see, Matt, when you design such a great game as Pandemic, we always link back to your old one. I see. Okay. So what was what did the FAB cards give you? What, what was that? Help me remember that. Uh, well, those things give you bonuses. So they're, they're sort of like operational-type activities. So you can turn in an operations chip, and you get a uh, one of these cards, an FAB card. So in the show, you said FAB to, to like confirm something. It's sort of like Roger or A or OK. And there's some... Uh, Jerry Anderson uh, figured out some way that that could actually 
be meaningful uh, after they had put it in the show. Anyway, um, it means sort of like A-OK. So if you've got the, one of these cards, you can turn it in any time to, uh, say, move a vehicle somewhere else or whatever the effect is. So if you're familiar with Pandemic's event cards, they're similar to that or, or Forbidden Desert's equipment cards. When you play, do you play as one of the characters or are you just kind of an overall player and using the characters? No, everybody uh, is sort of embodied as a character. So you have a peg, which represents you. Um, so you might be Virgil and you're the green peg and you, you start out in Thunderbird 2. Um, and you've got special abilities that are linked to your character card. And so every time you play the game, you get a different cast of characters. Um, and uh, so you have to kind of make, um, you have to figure out the best way to play that, that subset of, of the team. Uh, the other members of the team, though, are in the game. Uh, so uh, if, let's say, Gordon conveys a certain benefit for a sea rescue, you might move over to uh, the South Pacific, pick Gordon up in Thunderbird 2, then fly over to the, you know, some other uh, sea zone, um, you know, with Gordon in tow to give you that bonus that you need. So in like some of your other games where you have everybody like plays a specific role, maybe it's not really a, a role, but you're playing a persona that gives you special abilities that others might not have. Yeah, exactly. Right. When I was watching this also, I'm sitting here going, okay, even if you don't have those characters, they're always in the game. Make sure everybody understands that. It's not like, oh, darn, I don't have the dispatcher this time. So that he's out of the game. They're, they're all available. So the, you can play it. I mean, what two to four people, and you've got the expansion possibly coming out. I think that was announced as well. Yeah, I'm working out the the rules for sol- solitaire play, so it should be one to four on the box. Ooh, solitaire, because uh, there's just been a lot of demand for that. So obviously, you can play the game um, the way Rado did, where you can play multiple characters, and that works great. Um, but I've been kind of stretching to try to figure out a way to add even more interest on top of that, or you know, kind of twist it a little bit so you can play it in a solo in a solo version. Um, and then uh, we did announce the Hood expansion, which will add a fifth player, which will play against the other players and sort of like um, takes on the, the role of the, what the game is doing to some extent. So the game is automatically unlocking these disasters for you when you're playing normally. Uh, when you add the Hood, he'll have you know, some, uh, he can put some intelligence, additional intelligence uh, behind uh, the way that unfolds. I really like that mechanic of the fact that you've got a, a full co-op game or if you add that option, you can do the one versus many, which is like Imperial Assault Descent or something like that, which will give a whole new feel. And I think that's really neat because you do ha- add in that human element that is not all not as predictable, um, you know, as like when you're just playing against the game itself. Yeah, I'm hoping there'll be some sort of risk management on the Hood's part and then also some bluffing. So, you know, maybe he's, he's planting some, some things around the world that International Rescue has to deal with. And, and maybe there's some uh, bluffing or double bluffing going on. One mechanic I really um, do like is the, uh, I've always liked games that have some sort of built-in clock, and I love the mechanic of how you have the missions on the bottom, and every round they go up by one slot, and I think there's about like eight slots, and if that, if the rightmost mission, if your mission hits the eighth slot, the game's over. I really, I really love that because it's like, as those missions tick up, it's like, oh, wow, we really got to focus on these missions or we're going to run out of time. So I really appreciate that kind of internal clock that's driving the game. Yeah, that, that puts a tremendous amount of pressure on the players. It was almost too relentless. So what we did in some of the, the final tuning, I was working with um, uh, Rob Harris from Medifius on this back and forth, uh, is try to find some breathers. So there are some cards within 
that deck that uh, you pull them and you go, okay, you, you get a little sigh of relief. It's not an advancement. Um, the cards don't move forward, but instead the hood moves forward on, on, the, on the scheme track. So it's sort of this horrible mixed blessing because that's what ultimately ends the game. So you've got to basically manage these two different clocks that are they're ticking off at different rates. With the mission cards, though, now Marty, this may you may have to back away from the board a little bit here on this. There's dice, so you're trying to solve the mission by rolling dice and modifying your dice rolls, and they go up. Did you keep it one to five? Yeah, the dice are one to five, and then one side is the hood. So um, yeah, the most you can roll is a ten, and some of the missions. Uh, Difficulties go up to 11, actually. So you, you need to bring in some, some bonuses in those cases. So if you roll one of the, the hood uh, die sides, or uh, heaven forbid you roll two of them, he'll advance on the, on the track. Now, that's unless you bring intelligence in, and then you can spend one of those chips and re-roll one of the dice in order to uh, either improve your roll or, or try to get rid of the, the hood result. Uh, just because you said it, I have to do this. This mission goes to 11. Exactly. Yeah. I had to make a Spinal Tap <laughs> reference. So anyway, and, and what were the people thinking in the 60s? The hood. Okay, in the PC world we live in today, how are you getting by with that? <laughs> I don't know. There's so many other things that are not PC in the game. You have to kind of overlook. I mean, Lady Penelope's smoking like a chimney in some of the episodes. And they're shooting people off the road. There's one, uh, I think in one of the movies, they're dumping bodies out of a plane into the ocean. So it's part of the appeal, actually, for me. It's just, uh, you know, they didn't... Um, they didn't dumb it down for kids. I mean, you can watch it, and uh, you know, as a kid, you feel kind of like you're you're in on it. You're like you're you're smart for watching it. Well, it's kind of like the uh, '60s version of Team America, right? Well, I don't know if it'd be that extreme. <laughs> <laughs> but it has that same look to it, though. Yeah, well, Team America is a is a. Uh, I don't know if it's a loving uh, a, reference to it, but it's certainly a reference to a, it. A parody yeah. of it, almost. Yeah, a parody, yeah. No, one thing, Tony, you mentioned about the dice. I was like, uh-oh, here's the dice. But when I saw that the fact that depending on who you used and what technology you have and stuff, you can uh, mitigate the luck of your dice rolls by adding additional values to it. So, see, that's kind of cool. That's, you know... And like you were saying, when you're strategizing, it's like, wow, if I can go over here and pick up this guy, I have a better chance when I roll to succeed at this mission, but I'm running out of time. So then you have to make that decision mm-hmm. uh, of should I go get that guy or just take a chance that I can get lucky with the roll? Yeah, it's a combination of having a lot of rolls in the game and the fact that there's different chips that can mitigate risk um, makes it so it's not just a dice fest. I mean, there really is a lot of thinking behind uh, all the risk that you end up taking. And, and that's what makes a, a really a good dice game for people is that you can do that where you can, you know, how do you press your luck? How do you manage your luck when the dice come up bad for you? Because, you know, if you re-roll, then you're spending that one resource that we need for that other, you know, defeating the hood and and but man we really need to defeat this mission because if we don't it's going to slide up the track now did you keep in there where you can push a mission back yeah right now in the in the the current rule set which i think we've 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 uh you're close to finalizing that yeah i think those are are pretty pretty final right now um you can always go up to thunderbird five and spend an action to move a mission back in the track so uh, you know if things are getting bad, you can run up there and, and do that. Now, you can't do that, obviously, forever because mm-hmm. you need gaps to push things back. But you could time it so that, you know, um, your your colleague uh, solves a mission that's that's in the track at a certain point, And then, you know, it's the next person's turn, and they run up to Thunderbird 5, or they're there already, and then they can slide a mission back. So you can do all sorts of different um, 
things to, to keep keep that track under control. Yeah, but see, this is what's... Okay, so I push this mission back, but at the end of my turn, all the missions advance. Move forward again, yeah. 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 So you, you really have to balance what is the best option for me in this, at this time. I mean, do I try to re-roll again? Do I try to solve it? Do I go up to five, push it back, and let it advance? Because so-and-so's got... Um, Lady Penelope over there and Gordon and well, the, the whole freaking Tracy clans over there or something. And they may be able right. to solve it. There's some situations too, where you're like, okay, was it better to add one to my roll or is it better to roll twice? You know, uh, because you know, you can, uh, but if you're rolling multiple times and that increases the odds that you're going to roll, a, um, the hood, which will move the scheme track up. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of, uh, trade-offs. Looking at the uh, board itself, it's a really well laid out board. It's very clean, but obviously one of the things that stands out are the uh, the ships themselves. It's the really nice molded pieces that, that look really good. Was the idea in the beginning was to, instead of using cardboard pieces to represent ships, was the plan all along to have these really nice you know 3D big ships to use? No, it wasn't. I mean, the initial sketches of the board, uh, I knew I wanted Thunderbird 2, and I knew I wanted uh, to have the pod equipment and pod vehicles you can bring from place to place. And originally, I was thinking that the, each vehicle would have a card, and the card would represent its powers, and it'd be off to the side. And then you could maybe take little tokens and load them on top of the card, and it would all look very neat and tidy and be very easy to produce. And I played it with my daughters, and my daughter Anna would just, just had a fit. She's like, no, this is... No, and she kept wanting to put the card on the board so you move it, you know, because otherwise you've got this lookup and you've got all these mapping issues and you're always going back and forth and back and forth. And she thought I was being ridiculous. And I'm like, well, you know, we've got to have these pieces of equipment and the board has to be so big, so there's no way we can do it. And she actually went off and made a, clo- a clay model of Thunderbird 2 and showed me how... Uh, it could be done. Well, you know, Matt, if you had bought her a 3D <laughs> printer for her birthday or something, she could have had yeah. that out for you in no time. Yeah, probably could. Okay. So she's uh, she's nine, and she she had that all figured out. So we you know we uh, kept iterating on it and got got the thing to the point where it was workable. And the miniatures are really cute. Um, the little pod vehicles are small, but they're not so small that you can't handle them with your fingers and you. You put actually put them in the vehicle, and the vehicle's on the board, and you know it just all works. When you get in the advanced years, like me and Marty, the fingers aren't as nimble, so you took care of us. <laughs> I think you'll be fine. Okay, Hopefully, well, they're 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 thick chits or thick cardboard. Some sort of specially brand Thunderbirds tweezers for you guys. We appreciate that. You know, it'd be like going back. No, to they're operation. actually they're, they're chips, and we're looking at uh, for in the in the uh, in the base game. It's they're cardboard chips for the the pod vehicles. Then you can get the expansion for the the sculpts. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, um, but we want to make sure that you could actually pull them out. So I think what they're, we're doing is we're going to have a little bevel in the bottom of the bay so that you just tip it with your finger and it comes right out. It needs to, and then how are the fonts on the card? Uh, pretty big, <laughs> yeah. So I, I use a, a work... I, I, I really care about that. I think they're 10-point uh, type. I mean, it's a reasonable size. There's no 6.5-point type on this or 5-point type. Well, you know, back in the 1965s, there was only one typewriter font. And so you, you should be golden here. I mean, you didn't have to figure out which one to pick. <laughs> yeah, just use Courier, American typewriter, right? Yeah, there you go. So where, where are we uh, in the Kickstarter? I know it's, it's funded, so everything's going to be, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be made. What's the planned delivery date? The game will go out to backers in August. And uh, the, uh, the target that we're, we're shooting for is being able to, uh, to let people pick up the game at Gen Con if they, if they backed. And then it'll go into retail in September. And that's for the base game. And then the expansions will be, um, are due then by Christmas 
for the earlier expansions, and then maybe a little bit after Christmas for the other ones. I'm not sure if they have the dates worked out for those. But yeah, the 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 date we're really trying to hit is is August for the base game. So you've got worldwide distribution planned. Chris can speak to. Uh, Distribution. I know that there are people ordering it from all over the world. So yeah, he's been working on shipping all over the world. Any, any ads that you want to uh, put in for Thunderbirds that we missed? Any features or anything that we didn't talk about? Well, I mean, it's uh, it's we're, we've been unlocking uh, uh, stretch goals as we as we've been going. I mean, the the, the product funded i think in two or three hours, so it caught it <laughs> caught them a little off guard in that uh, you know. We had a uh, set of, of goals in mind, and we've been gradually unlocking those, but we didn't realize we were going to have to do it so rapidly. So, um, yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, we're going to have little miniatures for the, the pod vehicles. We're going to be introducing three other characters in the first expansion. So you'll have Tintin, Brains, and Parker. Um, and then we've got a leveling up expansion, so your characters can kind of develop over time. That's cool. And unlock more and more uh, powers, which, which I'm excited about. And then I mentioned the uh, the hood expansion as well. So um, uh, working on some of the development of the the latter expansions right now. Wow! So you you got a lot of plans beyond the base game to carry this game well into the future, kind of like what you've done with the uh, pandemic. Yeah, and some of them just uh, I think make the core game um, really nice. You know, there's there's some bling there for your for your set for nicer miniatures, and and others um, introduce another player, which is always nice or. or uh, give you a little bit more depth of character. Can you see where you would do an expansion that maybe you would have like lay a space board on top here? I know you've got the space track, but did the Thunderbird see, I've never watched the Thunderbird, so I have no clue. Did they ever go to another planet or the moon or anything? Yeah, it's actually in the, it's part of the base game. So you can take Thunderbird three up into outer space and you can visit uh geostationary orbit where Thunderbird five mm-hmm. is, or go to the moon, the sun, um, where can you go? Uh, Mars. Mars, the asteroid belt, Venus and, and, uh, uh, Mercury. But I can see where you could go to Venus and say, okay, now we're having to deal because the hood has moved into Venus and they're running down the neighborhood. Exactly. <laughs> you should be writing these mission cards, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sign me up, dude. I'm here. I'm there, ready there, to go. There are, uh, now, there are missions on Venus. So. There we go. Okay. Uh, all the places I named are, show up in the game. And you have uh, the, um, the Thunderbirds role-playing. Yes. Yeah, this was just announced, I think, this morning. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, Chris has unlocked, or actually hasn't unlocked. We've introduced this potential unlock uh, where um, there's a role-playing game that will take advantage of the the bits from the board game. Um, And then there'll be an additional booklet that that comes along and and potentially some cards as well. So, uh, yeah, a lot of that's new to me. I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with it. Um, And I I think the the game and the materials that come with it would be great props for for a role-playing game. And like we said um, earlier, this is the 50th anniversary of the show, so it's, it's really good timing of, of when this is coming out. And it seems like I'd heard somewhere they're remaking the show or something like that. The yeah, they are, version. actually. Uh, right, this fall. Uh, and uh, Weta Workshop is actually doing the miniatures, which uh, oh, I'm wow. really excited about. It's going to be a combination of CGI for the characters. I don't think they're going to look exactly like marion- marionettes. They'll probably uh, have, you know, maybe, in a, maybe they'll have a throwback you know, a wink at, at the marionette style. Uh, so those things I think will look a little bit more modern, but the, you know how what I could do really great miniatures. So I, I, I'm really excited about checking that out. So it won't look as creepy. Right. I think it'd be a little <laughs> bit less in the uncanny valley. Uh, there you yeah, go. <laughs> yeah. Let me make sure we get the, get all the logistics in here. The project is going to end 
on March 29th at three o'clock our time, Eastern Daylight. Um, so if you haven't already gone out and check it out, guys, be sure to go do that. Um, like you said, things are going unlocked pretty darn quick here, Matt. This funny symbol in front of the money is a pound. <laughs> okay, just helping people out there. Well, you know, you got to bring these things to people's. That'll get you in the conversion rate if you're not careful. Yes. Yeah, like, oh, it's just forty bucks. Wrong. <laughs> that's that's not going to happen. No. Um, let's see. Did you include any? I was just going through all the neat stuff here that you're doing for add-ons. I was wondering if you were going to include the DVDs or anything like that. No. No, it comes down to licensing. Oh. That's okay. So, are you excited about this game, Matt? Yeah, I, I'm really excited about getting it in my hands. I, um, I mean, it, it's, it seems like a great excuse to to be able to play with the little toys on, on top of the board. <laughs> so, and, and you you've been excited about this project and have to you know oh like most of us have to drag ourselves to our office. You were like, I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah, it's been. I mean, it's been fun um, getting feedback from uh, backers and reading all the comments. And then I, I did put the, the rules for the game up online in Google Docs so that people can read through it and actually comment in the body of the rules. So I've gotten some good feedback there as well. That's great. And as you're busily working and finishing up on Thunderbird, you probably have other projects in the bin. Can you talk about any of those? Well, I think it was uh, about a week ago, a week and a day ago, uh, wrapped on Pandemic Legacy with Rob, Rob Daviau. So we signed off on the final files to Z-Man. And so they are very much putting that into production. And I'm really looking forward to the, the release of that in October. So when are they going to start teasing some features about that game? Well, I'm not really sure. I mean, they, they released the... Uh, a sketch of the box art, and I think they have the final box art out. Um, knowing them, they'll probably, you know, begin to tease a little bit of the the box back. There's only so much we want to show for it, um, but uh, I think we're going to be. The, the game plays out over a series of 12 months, and I think we'll be sharing some of the details that you get uh, in January, like when the game begins, um, so that you know you kind of get a sense for what the game is is like at the beginning, and then of course it evolves over time. Yeah, Marty, I haven't found the pre-order button on Cool Stuff yet. Have you? you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's two box covers. Are they the same thing or two different? Yeah, things? It's, uh, from what I understand, it's the same uh, game inside. So you can just pick the cover you like the most. Oh, you got to do like at the collector's thing. You got to have one, keep it shrink wrap, and play with the other. I think, yeah, if, if that works for you, then go for it. <laughs> yeah, you're okay di- with that. diplomatically put. Yeah. <laughs> yeah don't. How was it working with Rob Davia? Oh, it's fantastic. Rob is is such a, a fun guy to work with. Uh, we we complement each other very well. Uh, we both have different styles, but they're very complementary. So I I did a lot of the the I, I was basically in charge of the prototype kit. So I did a lot of the visual design um, for the prototype, and and he was pretty much in charge of the rules body. And so we'd go back and forth and back and forth. It wasn't like um, you know I did the the visuals and he did the text. It was or the uh, you know it was really a joint. Um, a, a true joint effort, uh, but it was great that we could both leverage um, the skills that came more naturally to us. So, and he, you know, he's just really fun. He's got all sorts of crazy ideas, and was able to leverage a lot of the experience he had at Hasbro with uh, production design. And um, I mean, it's a it's a pretty involved print job, and he's been working with Z-Man on that as well. So it's been great just having sort of an expert in house that you know we can kind of rely on each other. Mm-hmm. We we got we were honored to be able to play Seafall at BGG. And you're right. Oh, great. He was, he was energetic. He was, he was trying to tell us how we were screwing up in the game. It was great. 
I mean, you know, because you know, we went out, we did, we went out and we were supposed to go build up our fleet or something. All of us, we went sailing out onto this high seas and that was the end of those boats. So, but that's all right. yeah. he, he's like, you really don't want to do that. Like, oh, we're going to do that. Well, we should listen to him. Yeah. So yeah, I can, I, I'm really looking forward. I know it's scheduled for release in October pandemic legacy. Hopefully they'll meet, meet that, but you know, just crossing my fingers. It's in October. Do you think at Origins or Gen Con they'll have something out there that you we can play, even though we can't buy? Oh, it I, I very much doubt it. I think it's going to be a big unveil. Uh, because, really? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it. Well, I, I anticipate it. It'll it'll be a big, um, it'd be a big event when that thing's un, un, unveiled. Because there's so many people who want to see what's in the box that I yeah. don't think they're going to be like showing any sneak peeks earlier. Oh, I thought they would, but uh, Gen Con wouldn't be a good place for that? Oh, I think I'd love to do it at Gen Con. It's just the realities of uh, production were such that I think it was about a year ago that they had this date picked out and we've been working toward it. So it's a, it's a pretty serious operation um, getting getting this, this thing produced. So what you're saying so. is Z-Man doesn't have like a stage set up for you and Rob to rise up holding a box. Of- <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We should, we should, uh, I'll plant that idea in their brains. <laughs> Well, like the big Apple Tech conference today, Z-Man's not setting up a special conference live view thing for uh, you there know. You go. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm liking it. I think pitch it seriously. I mean, <laughs> I can't go wrong. But but seriously though, seriously. Um, so is this? Do you feel a lot of pressure from this? And I, I mean, if they're by the way, you're always welcome to segue back to Thunderbirds at any time. But uh, um, yeah, do you feel pressure from this? All the, all this hype. Uh, no, not, not really about the quality of the game. I, I, I'm I'm very happy with where where that is. I, I felt a lot of pressure, say six months ago, when we were you know working out the final bugs in the in the design and you know playtesting that game was a was a was a big deal. I mean, because you're talking about twelve twelve sequential games uh, plus. So you know it's not often that you ask people to commit you know twenty four hours for a for a playtest um, and then oh yeah by the way can you videotape it too you know it's, it's <laughs> So uh, there was a lot of lot of work involved in that and, and getting it in, um, getting it in, and getting it finished and getting it at, at the quality we wanted uh, was the big struggle. Now I now I can kind of sit back and and uh, you know wait for it like you guys. Wow. So so you got that pretty much hopefully on your belt and ready to go. I, I mean, are you now looking even beyond that to other things? Well, they did put something on the box uh, that you may have noticed. It said season one on it. Mm-hmm. I, I can't key mo- comment on that too much, but uh, that's enough yeah. of a tease. Yeah. <laughs> our our listeners sent in a bunch of questions. Are you okay answering some of those for us? Sure. Oh, be- before we go to that, I yeah. did want to do a shout out that uh, um, Pandemic State of Emergency is coming out next week. So if you haven't checked that out, uh, please do. It's a uh, this is the um, third. Third collaboration with Tom Lehman, um, and Tom did a fantastic job on this as well. Um, we both contributed different parts of it. Some of the parts were kicked out of the original game. Um, you know, I mean, they've just been rolled over from expansion to expansion. Finally, found a nice home in this one. Quarantine, uh, and it's it's got yeah the quarantines, and it's got uh, the super bug challenge, which mm-hmm. is one of my personal favorites. So um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, look for it's that. pre-ordered. Oh, excellent. Okay. Well, of course. Come on, Matt. What, who are you talking to here? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did have a question along that, though. <clears throat> it seemed like Tom, and I'm not saying he got top billing here, but what I am saying is, did you <laughs> let him have a little bit more of a lead? I mean, let's face facts. Pandemic is the baby, you know? 
here here it is. Are you letting a little bit more people into your um, world here? Yeah, you know, I've been working with Z-Man on that, in that there's only so much bandwidth I've got, and they're really committed to making it a big brand and making it a very, you know, it, it, it's like they're one of their flagship products. And so I work with them on evaluating the incoming IP, and so... You know, there may be other pandemic products that come in into the fold that are not by me, but I'll be definitely taking a look at them. So uh, Tom was sort of a lifesaver uh, when um, there was additional demand for pandemic products. He, he stepped up and we worked together on a lot of these. So On the Brink was just a fantastic product, and we both, you know, worked really hard on that and in the lab and uh, state of emergency. And this is at a time when I was working full-time, so it's not something I could have done on my own. And again, he's got a really complimentary skill set, so he's, he's got a technical writing background. So, you know, I mean, Tom on rules is just, you know, he sinks his teeth in and he, he doesn't let go. So it was it was just great. And he's local, too, so we were able to, to work on a lot of different products one after another together. He, you know, he also contributed, uh, you know, Roll Through the Ages, the Iron Age. Um, and uh, I, I helped a little bit with the development on that, but... He was happy to to uh, help extend that line as well. Oh crap, Marty, your turn. I forgot the question I was going to ask. It was a good one too. Turn. <laughs> well, I, I knew you wanted to talk about a little bit about the expansions and stuff. I was going to wait until we finished that before we went on to the the user questions. Uh, nah, questions. I mean, I, I, I'm very excited. Love in the lab. You know that I talk about it. It brought new life back to pandemic. Oh, now I remember the question. I so what did it feel like, Matt, when you walked into Target and your game was there? <laughs> I love that. That was awesome. I still I still come in there and I, sometimes I sneak it into the featured game box. You know. <laughs> Take Monopoly out. And put it out. No, I mean almost every time I go to Target, I go. I just make sure everything's okay. Yep, still there. Okay, okay. who, who yeah. put that ticket to ride in that box? <laughs> yeah, right, Pandemic right. belongs there, by God. And uh, when I when I made it into Toys R Us, it was funny because I checked it out and I I needed a copy for prototyping and I was out and I didn't have time to get one from Z Man, so I actually went to Toys R Us and bought one. And I remember bringing it to the checker, and she's like, "Is this game any good?" I'm like, "Yeah, this, this is pretty good. <laughs> you should you should try it." Okay, I got it. This it's is really another enjoyable. one. I'm sorry, I'm taking up too much of your time too. But go ahead, go ahead. Um, so you're standing there in the toy aisle, and people are looking at all these, let's just say, mass market games. And and have you ever answered the question? So what's a good game? Well, ma'am, let me explain. Let me tell you something. Have you ever had to do that? I have not done it in you should. Uh, or Target, but I have I have done it at like a local hobby shop. Uh, there's a couple uh, legends here in Game Castle, and sometimes it just comes up. Someone will have it in my in their hand, and you know I'll say you know I designed that or, or what have. I think you should just loiter at Target or Toys R Us and wait <laughs> just, for the question to come up. No, I don't do that. <laughs> and one of our, our fans did ask us um, how did the um, Doctors Without Borders? You did that huge Ebola thing with Pandemic. How'd that turn out? Uh, I haven't seen a lot of press, which is a, which is a shame, Matt, for you because that was a lot of effort on your part. Oh no, it really went really well. Uh, we raised fifty thousand dollars for Doctors Without Borders, so um, it went fantastic. We we had uh, participation in, I think. 21, 22 countries. So, you know, countries as far as Slovakia, Japan, Australia, Israel, uh, Brazil, all over the place, just getting photos and, and seeing parties happening. So uh, it was fantastic. Uh, I, I really had no idea how that would turn out. So um, my friend Joss, who, who came up with the idea, and I just had, had a great time. I mean, basically, she came up with the idea. She pitched it to me. We had shirts made, and then I built a helped helped her build a website. 
all within a week. And then we were up and running. And then three months later, you know, uh, with the, the help of a lot of really great uh, party hosts, we had raised $50,000 for them. And they were, you know, they were extremely, you know, great partners. We worked with Vital Pact, which is a, a branch of um, Doctors Without Borders that kind of reaches out to, to fans. And um, it, was, it was a great experience. Uh, this is not a... Um listener question but this is one of mine before i forget it how does it feel to have the most games featured on tabletop well that that feels very special to me um i, I got a chance to meet will in at la at OrcCon one year i think it was around valentine's day my wife was there and she was <laughs> she was giving me a lot of crap for uh, uh bringing her to OrcCon for valentine's day but we did get a chance to sit down and play um forbidden island with 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 him and had a good time um and so, uh, it, 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 when he punched the pandemic box, that was just one of the highlights of the year for me. <laughs> I thought that was that was fantastic. That, that is that is that is cool. Yeah. Um. So, uh, one of the questions that came up was, <clears throat> uh, you have become well known for cooperative games, though not all your games are co-op. Is there something in particular that attracts you to developing co-op games, or do publishers just keep asking you to do co-ops because you're good at it? <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both. I really do enjoy designing them uh, because I like playing them with friends and family. I mean, you finish the game, and, and there's usually no hard feelings, right? Everybody either uh, tried really hard and failed, uh, or uh, you won, and you're you're feeling happy about that. Uh, but you're not looking at someone, um, you know, and feeling bad because they, they ground you into the dirt. Or, or worse, you, you won and you lorded it over them, and now you're in trouble. So, uh, I mean, that, that, that can be a real concern in... Uh, you know, when I'm playing with my um, young kids or when I'm playing with my wife, I don't want to be playing some heavy negotiation game. And I, I end up playing a lot with family, you know, close friends and family. So I like doing co-ops for that reason. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it's just become part of what I'm known for. And so people approach me for it. Like Thunderbirds is one example where uh, Chris sought me out because he wanted to do a co-op game. Another question is, uh, in the golden age of board gaming, which people seem to think we are in, which I would tend to agree with them on it, um, new mechanisms and design approaches constantly take the hobby to new directions. Do you think there is a similar healthy growth in the co-op games, or is the cooperative game design stagnated? <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure. So co-op games have been around since the 60s or 70s. And you could say that they were kind of stagnated then and that, I mean, most people associated them with educational um, experiences for kids and they weren't terribly engaging. And then Kenizio, at least he showed me that you could make an engaging game when he, he came out with Lord of the Rings. And not a whole lot happened. I mean, there, we had Shadows Over Camelot. We had, um, uh, well, I'm sure there's a, a few other notable games that came out. Um, and now there's, you know, I think it's like 10% of the titles on Board Game Geek now features some sort of cooperative play element, which is up like 400%. Um, so I think it's just become part of the DNA of games now. It's it's something that um, that you can you know add to the mix if it makes sense. I, I think there's a lot of problems that co-op game designers haven't solved, and and so I think we'll we'll continue to see more innovation there. And it, you know maybe digital products will will be a part of that, uh, where you've got some sort of information tracking that that the players don't understand that can you know make your player more <clears throat> your your quote cardboard opponent more nuanced because it's electronic and i don't know i'm i'm speculating wildly but i don't feel like i'm done i do think that there are a lot of games um out there that are are derivative whether they're co-op or not and uh you know you're just taking 
parts from column A and column B and throw them together, slapping a theme on and shipping it out. Um, so I, I'm not sure if it's just a co-op thing or just, you know, you're going to get that when you've got this many games, no matter what. So a common critique of pure co-op games uh, like Pandemic is the alpha gamer syndrome. Do you worry about alpha, ga- alpha gamers in your games? And will we see future designs, your future designs start to integrate anti-alpha gaming elements? I, I think it makes sense to try to mitigate the issue as much as you can. At, at the end of the day, though, I mean, it's a human problem. It's, um, you know, if you're playing with people that are, that are like that, it, you're going to have a have a problem and you can try to come up with um all sorts of different play patterns to get around it but fundamentally it's a it's a human issue so you can throw a real time at it so that you know you can't deal with it uh, that you know one person can't be domineering but it's an artificial constraint or you can throw a lot of information at it but then you've got people trying to cooperate with imperfect information so yeah i mean it's it's interesting to see what kinds of things you can do to reduce it um, and I found some strategies successful, but I don't think I could ever eliminate it. I do give it thought, though. I, I think it's, you know, some people really find it a, a troublesome and a, a turnoff. And so, you know, I keep my eyes open to see if there's ways to, to reduce it. And I think a lot of that, Marty, has to deal with <clears throat> knowing your game group. If you're going to have one of those guys in there, you know, go pull out um, something else. Yeah, I think that's a, the simplest answer, right? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's things that game designers can do, but... Uh, ultimately, you know, some games are just better for certain people than others. Right. I mean, like, uh, <clears throat> I've been playing a lot of XCOM recently, and I guess one way they try to eliminate the alpha gamer in that one is because everything's timed. Mm-hmm. One person just doesn't have time to run the entire game. Yeah, sure. Yeah, space Alert, something similar. Escape is like that. Yeah, any kind of real-time game will do that. Right. But then you've got a real-time game, so, yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> which is fine. I mean, I, I like those, too. Yeah, which, well, but when we play Pandemic, our monthly Pandemic, you know, the way I solved it is simply just making fun of the person who screws up and we destroy the world. There you go. With an so outbreak. I mean, you know. The big, the big, well, we played. Big guilt trip on them. Oh, yeah, we do. There's no reason. Look, you just destroyed America. <laughs> What's wrong with you, you know? Um, <clears throat> now, we, we touched on this a little bit. You've become a full-time designer. And, you know, anytime you go into a new job, a new field, there's this pressure. How has that changed your outlook on designing now? Is, is the pressure like, oh, my God, I got to get this designed or something? Uh, that hasn't really been an issue because I went into the job full time with uh, four different projects I was trying to juggle. So as those wind down and I'm starting to, you know, work on brand new games, uh, I don't know, time will tell to see if, you know, I, I feel all concerned about what 2016 or 2017 will look like. As it is right now, no, I've, I've had plenty of stuff to work on, and I don't feel feel that. What designers excite you? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, the CGE guys, uh, Vlada, he's always cooking up something really crazy. And um, his rule books are far longer than I ever want, and there's, there's way too many chromey bits, but... It, he's really got really interesting ideas and he's not afraid to experiment and he goes off the, you know, he goes off into all sorts of wacky territory all the time. So I've got a lot of respect for that. Um, I, I, uh, I've always, uh, admired Knizia's ability to boil things down to, to the essence and, and have a very, very tight and very balanced set of rules. Um, uh, his games are what really brought me into the hobby. Um, I mean, I, I've been playing games since I was a kid, but you know, I really, really, identified as a um, you know someone who loves euro games i think because of of his of his games yeah i think those are the the, the two that that come immediately in mind uh do you have any designs you would like to revisit 
of yours, of yours, not other people's, of yours. I've, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a design that I never finished. It's been an albatross around my neck. So I guess the short answer is no. Okay. I don't want. To. <laughs> no, I like to come up with some new. And stuff. short answers are good, Matt. We're good with short yeah, answers. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Are you looking to incorporate the latest fad of using portable technology in your next game or future game, whether it's co-op or not? There's certainly people who would like me to do that, and I'm open to it, but only if it's a really good fit, and I haven't really found something. Is there a theme you would like to incorporate? And I have two that I would like to suggest. This that Our listener didn't <laughs> add the last part. I did, okay? Oh, no, not right now. I don't have any burning uh, desire to do any specific theme right now. Okay, well, and when we do rank them, I'll give you one of them. The other ones, Marty and I both worked in a nuclear reactor, and we don't want to be on a sub with gnomes or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> you come talk to us about if you when you want to do that technology part and you want to try to get that real time part Marty and I we're your guys because we worked in a nuclear plant we can we can help you out it's funny that you bring that up because I, I did a game when I was a kid called fission chips which was uh, <laughs> isn't that terrible that I, kinda, awesome. I, I, I blew it I gave you the punchline but <laughs> it, you're, awesome. you're moving uh, little chips around in a reactor and making these horrible chain reactions yeah, it was called anyway. I like it. But that's that that the the itch to do a chain reaction game is what what led to pandemic, I think. I, I think you need to pitch that to Chris. Fission chips. Get it, Chris? Got it? Are you there? Oh, He's man. British, you yeah, appreciate that. <laughs> Maybe after I get paid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'll get you the other one, but there you go. So that, um, your turn, Marty. Mentioned tabletop earlier. So you've had several games featured on, uh, featured on tabletop. So does it ever come into your mind now because of that? Do you ask the question, will this work on tabletop <laughs> when you think about new games? Uh, it, I mean, it has crossed my mind. It's more like, oh, is there anything in the catalog that could even remotely be on tabletop? And yeah, I, I I, I got so excited with each successive season. I just don't think there's any way I would be on there again. But, we'll, you know, we'll see. Uh, yeah, it has crossed my mind just because there's been so much fun. And, and he made a follow-up statement even after they screwed up the rules of Forbidden Desert? Well, they made it. They screwed it up in such a nice way that it made it look like you could win the game, which is awesome. <laughs> and and you, now there's a, a great, uh, you know, house variant that you can play. Now, they're very gracious about that. They're very apologetic. And, you know, you know what? They paid me the best compliment by just having such a good time with it. I love that episode. Well, at least with Brado's videos, they go back and add an annotation saying we screwed up here. They at least could have done that. <laughs> I suppose. They, they did. They did uh, when they shared the link out on, on Facebook, they, they made sure to, to let people know. Yeah. My, my favorite was when Rado put up his playthrough of your um, Thunderbird. See, we tied it back in. And he did the math wrong. I'm sitting there. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, what? Hey, right? When you live on an island and you're retired, well, I guess that's okay, you know? All right, so for the last part, and this is a game that uh, we're going to play with you, and this is a game that we play with all of our guests, and we call it Rank'em. What we're going to do is we're going give, to give you three items, list three items, and you rank them in whatever order you want to. Okay. You can and then you tell us why you're ranking them in that way. So it's not like a question and answer. We just list three items and then you rank them however you want. Okay. Do you understand the rules to the game? I believe so. So you need me to, to stack rank three objects uh, according to some criteria that I uh, invent. You said that much better than I did. Okay, here we go. That's why you're a game designer and I'm not. Here's my first three. Gilligan's Island... Fantasy Island or the Island on Lost? Ah, okay. Well, the, the knee-jerk one would be the order in which I watch them. 
but that's too that's too boring. Let's see. The number of planes involved, perhaps. <laughs> so in Fantasy Island, you have the plane. The plane. <laughs> the plane. So that would come second, because I think in Gilligan's Island, there are no planes. So that would be zero. <laughs> and then in Lost, in Lost, you see the same plane crash so many times, it might as well be multiple planes. <laughs> That's right. So we'll go with that. Oh, uh, well, d- don't forget about Wrong Way. He had a plane on Gilligan's Island. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's true. But, but that's okay. <laughs> nice pull there, Tony. <laughs> Way to discredit your guest. I uh, know. Yeah. My bad, dude. <laughs> uh, for me, Marty, it's going to be Gilligan's Fantasy, and then I never watched Lost. So. And for me, it's going to be it's going to be the same order. Just a lot of memories of Gilligan's Island, and then you know the plane and. I may have moved the island on Lost higher, but I was so ill at the uh, series finale that uh, it came in last. I watched all of them, but the season finale. <laughs> really? Yeah, you yeah. invested all that time and I left watched that the last episode. I, no, it's the mystery box. You know, whatever <laughs> sins are in the in that episode, I don't have to open it. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. For my first question, medic. Dispatcher, scientist. Okay, well, I'll just go in my, my order of favorites. Dispatcher's number one, because he's the most fun to play role, just hands down. And then we'll go with the medic. And then the scientist, very powerful, but not quite as interesting. <sighs> there you go. I, too, will uh, go with the dispatcher, because they, that's that's pretty powerful. And then uh, probably medic, then scientist. And I'll keep the same word, because whenever we play, um, I'm always the dispatcher. It seems like he comes out every time I pick him. I don't know if the card's marked or something, but I'm always the dispatcher. Here's my next one. Alien invasion, zombie outbreak, or rise of the machines? <sighs> Let's see. Uh, most likely for me to uh, to do is my next game. Um, we'd have to go with the rise of the machines would be first because I like emergent behavior. Um, then alien outbreak because it's palatable. And then zombies, which I will not touch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. For me, I'm basing this on order of which I believe will happen. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> rise of the machine, zombie outbreak, alien invasion. That's that's the way it's going to happen. <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Rise of the Machine for the whole sci-fi thing, and then Alien, and just kind of tired of zombies, so zombie outbreak last. All right, for my second question, we're going to list Thunderbirds, Underdog, Johnny Quest. Oh, interesting. Now, all 1965 cartoons. Oh, very good. I'll go with... Underdog was 65? Mm-hmm. I'll go with my familiarity with the, with the uh, title, which would be Thunderbirds now. And then Underdog, which I held a special heart in place for me uh, growing up. And Johnny Quest, which I know very little, if, if anything, about. For me, it's definitely Underdog, because right now the theme song is going right <laughs> through my mind. And um, that, that was, that was a, held a special place for me, too. Um, Johnny Quest, which I didn't watch until later. And all I can remember, somebody along the way did a parody of Johnny Quest. Uh, it was like the, these cartoons that looked exactly like it. And all I remember was they had the big strapping young blonde guy that was like the muscle of the show. Mm-hmm. I just remember in this parody episode, he just kept throwing a barrel. His answer was to everything was, I'm going to throw a barrel at it. <laughs> and then uh, lastly, Thunderbirds, because I just didn't watch it a lot growing up. I saw an episode here and there, but didn't couldn't really relate to it. Okay. For me, it's Johnny Quest, 
Underdog and then Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds last just because I didn't watch it. Underdog enjoyed it, but Johnny Quest was the man, the myth, the legend for me. I love Johnny Quest. And that brings me back to the topic about, do you have any themes? There's your co-op game map. Johnny Quest, look it up, baby, right there. Right. <laughs> I mean, defeat, <laughs> defeating the monsters. I'm kind of digging the underdog theme right now. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, that's fine if he wants to do a, a hidden <laughs> traitor element or something. Oh, he wants to do underdog. But I mean, you got Race, you got Haji, you got Johnny, you got um, um, Doctor um, Doctor Quest, and then just think about the, you have the electric monster with the invisible eye. Oh, you know the monster. And the lizard men where race throws the barrel. Okay, come on. We're, we're, we're <laughs> race, that's it. Race, race Bannon, race Bannon isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then Bandit. You could almost bring in Ignacy's the dog. Think about it. You know, from Robinson, you can bring in, you can bring in um, Bandit. And here comes a little Bandit for your little co-op game. You, you could be you could be totally be making this up, like all of it. I would never, I would not know. <laughs> I don't mess with Johnny Quest, <laughs> dude. You're way too invested in this. <laughs> it's just oh, it's. What do you think I've been thinking about? I haven't been listening to you. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> obviously not. Well, Matt, we have uh, kept enough of your time tonight, but let me tell you, it has been a thrill. A thrill having you um, on the show, and I know that here comes the gushing part. So, um, when uh, Tony and I have been playing board games forever, and but we first really were more into card games, and uh, when we start getting into more of the board games that are around uh, the middle 2000s, I, I remember I'd been playing a lot of card games like CCGs before then. I remember um, Settlers, and um, I was trying to get my family into it, and it was kind of tough. And then I heard about this game, this co-op game. It's like, oh, wait a minute. There's a concept where we can all play together. And if we lose, all of us lose. And if we win, all of us wins. And it was Pandemic. And I bought a, a copy of Pandemic. It brought our entire family to the table. And that's the game that kind of got my entire family sitting at the table and playing together. So as a family, we thank you for uh, helping get my family into gaming and bringing us together. Ah, oh, thank, th- thank you for sharing this story. That's, that's awesome. And ditto. <laughs> no seriously man. Um, uh, we do we play it every month yeah, I introduce a new game to my neighbors and my wife and then they'll say okay next time pandemic and, it, <laughs> and it's, it's gone to the point where it's in the lab or we'll go back to the original like I said I just got cure for my birthday and they really the speed of that game is awesome Matt the, 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 the dice mechanics and the speed of it I, I was really pleased by that because that to me just makes that game for me. We don't have a lot of time of actions. Let's just go. Let's go. Let's go. And I'm sure with Thunderbirds, you're gonna have another hit on your hand, man. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I tell you, we um are we have a game club uh, here in Charlotte, and we go to um, a local library uh, in the summer, like once a month, to have a a game day for the kids that show up. And we bring a box of games and we have two or three copies of Forbidden Island in there because Forbidden Island is such a great game for younger uh, kids. They can grasp it. They can understand it and then play it together as a co-op so you can kind of help each other out. So we use that game, too, to introduce uh, kids to hobby gaming. So uh, another great game that uh, is a good intro game to the hobby also. Oh, very good. Yeah. Excellent. And last but not least, I enjoyed the BGG Con where they did the pandemic tournament. Have you seen that yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've uh, watched, uh, I think, four of them now um, in uh, Spain and England and at uh, Gen Con. There's something else to watch. <laughs> They're extremely stressful to watch. I mean, it's uh, it's a 
like um, you know, if you watch the World Championship of Carcassonne, I'm sure it's very exciting for the people in it. Mm-hmm. But the people watching it are just seeing people play Carcassonne. <laughs> if you're watching a, a pandemic um, survival tournament, I mean, you know, you're sweating because these people are going to be eliminated any second, and there's collars and there's masks and, and bunny suits, and it's it's a real spectacle. It's it's something to see. Oh uh, yeah, the BGG. I the, the I don't take anything away from the winners, but there is no way if everybody in that room was having that many outbreaks and they didn't have any. Um, I'm calling shenanigans. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Set up cameras next time. Uh, exactly. That's right. Well, any any closing remarks from you, Matt? Uh, just thanks for having me. This has been great. Will you come back? <laughs> sure. Next time I've got something to announce or you got something new. Yeah. Will, will you come back after the um, pandemic legacies announced and we can talk about that a little bit more later we, on? Yeah, in the year? We, we can all dance around what we can't talk about. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Yes. Yeah. You heard it. We have it recorded, everybody. He will come back and talk about pandemic legacy. Once again, thank you so much for coming on. It, it has been a, uh, a pleasure uh, talking to you and uh, you're going to have great success with uh, Thunderbirds and Pandemic Legacy and, and whatever the future holds. Johnny Quest. Johnny <laughs> Quest. <laughs> All right. That's it. We're done. That was the last episode. <laughs> we, it's over. We can't top that, can we? <laughs> okay. So, well, let's think about this, Marty. Richard Lanius. Check. Yep. Matt Leacock. Check. Yep. We need to work on Eric Lang. Yep. Of course, Canizia. Yeah. You've already mentioned Ignasi. Yes. Yeah, so we're getting there. We're getting the list. And then we're just, we're done. Wipe the hand. Hey, if we, we're over if we can get like a Stefan Feld. Ooh, yeah. yeah, that ain't going to happen. Anyway, thank you so much, Matt, for, for coming on. That that was a blast. We really enjoyed uh, talking with him. He He's a great guy, very friendly, makes fantastic games. I mean, what, what more can you say? Yeah, and so if you haven't gone out to the Kickstarter, at least go take a look at it, guys, see where it's at. I'm sure they've unlocked. I mean, <clears throat> I'll be honest with you guys out there. I That's a little rich for my blood right now, so I'm hoping that retail-wise it'll be back in America, and I will definitely be looking at it. So, And hopefully, you know, Marty, when this thing comes out, we'll be able to get to play it somewhere so maybe someone can buy it, and we'll just go up and play their game. Uh, yeah, and it will be. I mean, I know it's uh, it's – it's you know it's coming over from uh, Europe, so that you got some conversion uh, rates and stuff going on. But it will be released uh, here in the U.S. and you can find be able to find it online in your local gaming store. So uh, it'll be here in the fall. We'll be able to get it. Anything else, dude? I will just bring the show down if I add anything else at this point. That's how we are. That's how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> we can take that that level and take it down. So, all right. Well, let's just sign off from that. So everybody, just if you would keep rolling dice and taking names. Follow us on Twitter at Dice and Names. Visit our website, RollDiceTakeNames.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Roll Dice Take Names. Visit our guild on BGG. Like us on Facebook. Thanks, y'all. Hey, Marty, and he doesn't even have to stop at Johnny Quest. Think about it. He could do Scooby-Doo, Josie and the Pussycats, you, you know, name them all, and we could have all these cooperative licensed games. He needs to do all the Croft Brothers shows, starting with Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. Oh, man, HR, Puffin <laughs> stuff. <laughs> that would be sweet. Can I be Freddy the Flute?